Welcome to episode 53 of the Left Behind Game Club. This week, we played Costume Quest, Grubbins on Ice. As we close out 2018, we just wanted to say happy holidays and thank you so much for listening to the Left Behind Game Club. If you want to interact with myself, with Mike, with Mo, and the Left Behind Game Club community, you can check out our Discord at leftbehindgame.club. Now, everyone's home for the holidays, which means we recorded in the same room, and for some reason... Mo was really intimidating to both me and Mike. Incoming bloopers. We're very happy to have it. We're very. Take that over. <laughs> we haven't recorded together in like six months. The chemistry in the same is room. off the charts. I'm, I'm intimidating you guys. Yeah. You're listening to the Left Behind Game Club. Welcome to Left Behind Game Club, our never-ending attempt to make sure that no game is left behind. I'm your host, Jacob McCourt, and today I have three friends with me. The first friend, you know him. I love him. His name is Michael Ruffalo. I'm excited to talk about a great expansion to a great game. Yes, and to talk about the expansion live and in the flesh, it's Momertati. My two cents. Let's go. I'm hyped. And then our uh, special guest today, our third friend, it's her first time on the show. Please help me in welcoming Shay Whiston. I hope I can do this right. <laughs> You're going to do this super well, I'm certain. Um, do you want to give people just an idea of maybe what you like to play uh, before we get started on this episode? Uh, sure. I'm kind of all over the board. I don't mind just picking up and playing anything that I guess kind of looks cute. Costume Quest was my first time playing it, and it was super cute to play. I really enjoyed the graphics of it. Uh, my Back when I started playing, probably like any young child at the age of five, started with Pokemon. And that grew into... Which bit- Pokemon? Which Pokemon? Pokemon Blue. Yes. I was a Pokemon Blue. Who's your starter? This is a very important yeah, question. Yeah, more important than the game, yeah. <laughs> I was always... Well, it depends on the gen. First gen, I was Squirtle. Mm-hmm. That's the best pick. I what? S- Incorrect. Wrong. Continue. I s- You're a Bulbasaur guy, aren't no. you, Mike? Charmander. You get to fly with him at the end. Yeah, but what do you do about Brock? You what? die every time you face the first gym leader. It's, that's the first hurdle you get, and then it's easy peasy the rest of the game. Yeah, so I, I used Squirtle to get over that first hurdle because I was just not as... Stri- I didn't think about it strategically later on. Second gen, I actually skipped for some reason because I think my brother played it and I just didn't get around to playing it myself. Third gen was Torchic because the coolest one of all of them. Fire. Fourth gen... <laughs> Was I, I'm blanking. I don't even know. It's probably the fire Pokemon. It's always the best pick. It's probably the fire. Fire one. Pokemon's are the best pick because the initial Pokemon that you'll face in the grass are usually grass Pokemon. Yeah. And, and you were saying that right now you're you just started playing Fallout Three before you started playing Costume Quest, right? Yeah, I started replaying Fallout Three because I never got a next gen console, so I couldn't play Fallout Four. And now that Fallout Seventy Six is out, I decided to just replay Fallout Three and enjoy that again. So this cutesy RPG is kind of like right in your wheelhouse, right? Yeah, for sure. We're happy to have you on the show, uh, and we're here today to talk about Costume Quest Grubbins on Ice. Before we start, just know that we covered the main game November of 
last year. So if you're interested in that, uh, you can go in whatever podcast feed you like, find episode 16, and the Costume Quest episode uh, will be there. It features myself, Mike, and our guest, Andrew Persibelli. First off, what is Costume Quest Grubbins on Ice? Okay, so Grubbins on Ice is the expansion pack to Costume Quest. Costume Quest is a Halloween-themed uh video game (laughs) that's you know in the style of a very simple turn-based rpg with very minimal timing mechanics and the concept of the game is you are trying to get your twin brother or sister back uh in the expansion grubbins on ice some of your friends who came along with you on that original journey are now lost and you are trying to get back Lucy, the scientific little uh, peanut of the gang. And <laughs> in in uh, in the course of it, you go through I think three distinct stages within the Repuglia world. Um, and the aim is to again get Lucy back, reunite her with uh, her love Everett, um, and yeah, get as much candy as you can along the way. Um, developed by Double Fine. Uh, it was released nine years ago. Um, before we jump into it, um, does everyone want to say how they played this game? Nine years ago? Nine years ago. December 21st of 2010 was the original wow. release date. It's, Mo? Yeah, just to add to uh, to Mike, because I actually didn't play the original Costume Quest. All I played was the DLC, the Grubbins on Ice. So I had no c- c- clue what the real story was. So I'll give you my summary of what I think Grubbins on Ice is. And how did you play it first? Uh, off? I played it on uh, on PC on Steam. I, I just I bought the whole game, but they let you start just the DLC if you wanted to. Um, so I play the game. I noticed these kids are going trick or treating, and I got a total like Stranger Things vibe from it. Yes. Like, all these kids are going to be like huddled together, and then all of a sudden they're in the upside down and they're wearing costumes. And oh, it's so crazy that you say that because when I initially played Costume Quest. For me, it was just this amazingly perfect nostalgia trip, and I did not think of Stranger Things at all, because I had not watched Stranger Things yet, Ah, but now that I have seen Stranger Things, it is insane how much it evokes that same thing. Yeah, it's like a bunch of best friends, always together, going around, tackling issues, and to be honest, I didn't know what the actual gameplay was. I didn't know it was going to be turn-based. I'm... I've always emphasized that I hate turn-based games. I've tried my best. I've tried so many times. The only one was Pokemon, coincidentally. Um, That's the only one I tolerate, but I've played the most recent Octopath Traveler on that Switch, put like six hours to force myself to like turn-based games. Can't do it. So I just... That's a way to love something. Force yourself. Yeah, pretty much. I said, this is the best of the best. Everyone's talking all about it. So let's give it a shot. And nope, I didn't like it. Um, uh, But yeah, that's what I I got got from it. I was totally surprised when the... The first robot guy goes Optimus Prime and transforms <laughs> and then starts the fight. I'm like, oh, my God, how did no one tell me about this? So uh, I liked li- it. A little summary in that in that camp is uh, when you get into battle with the monsters of Repuglia that, that come into the world in Costume Quest proper, uh, when the kids face off against them, uh, whatever costume they're wearing, they then transform into the more realistic, real-life bigger than life uh, version of whatever their costume is. So if they have a very simple vampire costume on, uh, when they transform into battle, they are a big bad Dracula. Or if they're wearing a cardboard robot costume, when they get into battle, they are a giant Gundam. Yeah. And so literally, literally Starscream. That's, that's what <laughs> exactly. Exactly. So, so it is uh, really fun to see the way that the kids imagination of their costume translates into uh, what it looks like in battle. Shay, how did you play the game? 
I played it on my beloved and definitely beat up Xbox 360. So I downloaded, <laughs> I never played Costume Quest before, so I did download that and I played it a little bit. Um, but when I started the game, I had no idea what to expect. Uh, Same, so I yeah. so I downloaded it. And the, when I saw that Double Fine's production logo, I was so excited because one of my most favorite games is actually by Double Fine, which is Psychonauts. Yes. Oh, my God. Oh, I love that game so much. So yes. even so when the music came up, when the artwork came up, I'm like, oh, my God, I'm playing Psychonauts. So I was really excited to play the game itself. Um, so I played a little bit of Costume Quest just to get an idea of what I was getting into. The original game. The original game, yeah. And then I got into Garbage on Ice. And like, no, I'm not particular about, um, or I don't particularly like turn-based games. The I think Final Fantasy 13, I just gave up on because I was so annoyed with it because it was all turn-based. Same. But I didn't mind this one too much just because it was quite cute when how, I don't know, just how the graphics are and everything. And plus it's double fine, so I just couldn't not like it. So I enjoyed it. I really enjoyed the um, the hues of Psychonauts in it, I think, more so than anything. So overall, I liked it. The writing is so good. It is. It's very good. And I, I will, we'll get more into that. Mm-hmm. But I also played it on a very beat-up Xbox 360. I had to delete a lot of stuff from my hard drive <laughs> to be able to make space to download this 120-megabyte game or expansion. Um, and it felt very weird to have an Xbox 360 controller in my hands again after all this time. But um, it, it chugged along quite well, and I had a good experience with it. Did you have an Xbox 360 core? Like, why did you not have any space left on your hard drive? Because um, when I redeem my games with gold every month, sometimes I don't uh, cancel the download after I redeem it. So I think I had a total of like 50 megabytes left. <laughs> Just, I understand. Just so happened that the Tetris blocks of game installs stack that way. Um, so I played this one on PC. Uh, it is the second time that I've played the. Uh, I played Costume Quest twice and this Grubbins on Ice twice. Uh, I am a huge fan of Double Fine, much like yourself. I Psychonauts is one of my favorite ten games of all time. Writing is a big piece of it. And I think I'm in the same boat as you where I don't love turn-based RPGs, but I have this weird soft spot for games like Paper Mario where there's that cutesy aspect with like almost like an action-based, um, I think it's Strategy called... Strategy element. Yeah, exactly. Where there's that timing-based where, hey, if you hit a button at the right time, you'll get more damage where I'm not just sitting there scrolling through battles. Yeah, and the thing I think one of the things I loved about it is also the length of the game. So I feel like if I played Grubbins on Ice for... for five to ten hours maybe i would have got to that point where it's like i don't want to play this anymore i'm, I'm mm-hmm. sick of the turn base but it's a two-hour expansion just enough just the right length for me to be okay with turn-based shooters and all the fluff around it makes it a little bit better too so i have a very important question given that the two of you so shay and mo you didn't play the original game when i got into the game i immediately thought man this is going to be really tough for someone to get into without having played the original game because there's no introduction, there's no tutorial. It just kind of drops you in and says, okay, here you go. Have fun. Did you have trouble? Yeah, so when I first jumped in, I was kind of worried about that too, Jacob. I didn't know if I should play the full game, but I thought maybe it'd be a good point of view to have to like have someone that didn't play the full game to add their two cents. Um, there isn't that much explaining, and I am... Uh, culprit of never reading in video games i just i want you either to speak it to me or just let the game dialogue speak it to me yeah like no but like during the game i want the characters to be talking to me while i'm moving i don't want to sit there and watch a still screen and just read text like that's for me it stops all the enjoyment of playing games i'm not in the game anymore i'm just reading a book i'll do that in my spare time 
Um, do you read do the book, you? though? Yeah, what? Yeah. Um, really? Yeah, of course. I'm a human. Um, <laughs> you sound like the monsters in Costume Quest that are trying to pretend they're humans. Yeah, you know, I, I, of course I, I'm a human. I, I'm, I, that was some alternative facts. I actually do audiobooks all day. I don't really read in, <laughs> unless, unless it's on the internet. Audiobooks are not reading. And c- correct. That's why I said it was some alternative facts. <laughs> Um, but yeah, so I didn't really know much about what's going on, but I didn't really feel like I needed that much information. You can kind of figure out, you want to advance, they keep giving you objectives to keep moving forward. Um, and, but once again, I don't know what the storyline was because I always do what I do. I kind of just keep skipping cutscenes through everything. Yeah. I skip cutscenes a lot unless it's like a Hideo Kojima game. I won't be really watching the cutscenes in between. So because there's no voiceover and no voice acting in this game and it is all, Text, text in speech bubbles yeah did you read any of it yeah some of it like in, like especially like the dialogue in between like when you're walking around to a, like a local citizen and one guy's like i wish i could help but i don't have a beard i'm like ah okay that's, <laughs> that's pretty funny so like initially too i'd kind of i i picked up some stuff but the, i want to say the very last cut scene before you fight the final boss t- sorry for spoilers i didn't really i watched like 75 percent of it and i was like you know let's just start the battle i know i'm gonna be fighting someone big like <laughs> So I'm excited to learn about what this game was all about from you guys. Shay? So for me, I I played probably half an hour of Costume Quest. I kind of knew what it was about, but I just wanted to like get a feel of for what it would have been going into the expansion pack. So I had a good idea. It's pretty self-explanatory. So jumping into the expansion pack, it it was I was definitely not expecting to just be transported to a different world. Yeah. That was kind of cool. But it was interesting how they brought the same concept of costume quest into this other world so i found it pretty easy to follow i did read the speech bubbles so that helped a lot and <laughs> the, again with double fine productions they have fantastic writing you almost don't even need a i mean for those who are okay with reading you almost don't need a voice actor because <laughs> the way they write it and even how they use like caps lock all the time they you can hear yes. at least for me yeah. i can hear what they're saying Absolutely. and i also love the adult humor almost they yeah. always put for the young kids i find it so funny and so clever so i had i really enjoyed it and i think it was pretty easy to follow the expansion pack actually yeah I, I, just to cover myself i did read some of it <laughs> but like a lot of the times if it was like useless dialogue like when you're knocking on the door especially yeah as, as soon as i Sometimes knock on, it's yeah. the same dialogue so i'll mm-hmm. knock on the door and i'll fast track to the fight or give me that candy that those are for sure i skipped all the time it seems like you picked, Shay, the ideal way to play in that like, you got the first half an hour to get some flavor, mm-hmm. and then you played the expansion pack. I almost think that's the way you should play this. Yeah. So, oh, here you go. Here's my one concern with that. Okay. How many costumes did you guys have to choose from in Grubbins on Ice? I had actually... So that was... So funny you say that because I had wished I had took the opportunity to be able to acquire all those costumes in the original game before. I did have about six or seven of them, though, right? Default. So that was pretty right. cool. The, in my little booklet, I was, I think by the end of the game, I was only missing two or three. I found the three new ones in the expansion pack, though. Gotcha. Well, so, what about you? Uh, same thing with Shay. I feel like I scraped the entire game. Like, not a single candy was missing. <laughs> I went through every corner. Every I spent like. Doesn't I think it feels so good. Yeah, to get so that it, candy. It, it takes like I think it's, they say it takes two hours to beat it, but like I think I spent three and a half or so because <laughs> every corner was visited by me because I wanted to unlock everything. And then at the end of the game, I realized, oh, this is probably mm-hmm. there's some stuff from the original game that I can't unlock. Right. So mm-hmm. I got all the new stuff in the DLC. And then I had, I think the base characters, like we can go through them all if you want, but like yeah, all walk, the, all the so I think I had, so the pirate, I had Starscream, the robot guy. <laughs> Which got, is the default. Yeah. Um, uh, Statue of Liberty, America, loved right. it. Um, 
the anthem, right? Oh my Isn't gosh. anthem amazing? So good. That was that was oh. probably <laughs> Abraham Lincoln. Yeah. <laughs> so, so yeah, the, the, just to, for anyone that hasn't played the game, the fi- the special attack for this character who's who's dressed up as a Statue of Liberty, they have a call, attack called Anthem, and they pretty much just stand back, throw their torch in the sky, scream, and you see Abraham Lincoln on the side. You see an eagle screaming. Grr! <laughs> and it heals up everyone on your team. It's very, very majestic. Great work. Great work. I loved it. Um, so there's that. Um, French fry. Yes. Um, oh, uh, the knight, I think. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, ninja. The ninja's there too. And then the space cat. person. Space person. Unicorn. And then Yeti. Yeti you get eventually in the DLC. So yeah, you get the pirate in the DLC as well. Mm-hmm. Oh, really? It's pirates yeah. from yeah. the DLC? Okay, yeah. yeah. Pirate and Yeti and then... Eyeball. I didn't have Eyeball. You could get it in the download, in the I, expansion pack. I saw that. I didn't get it. <laughs> I saw that, but I didn't get it. Because um, I'm not to jump too far ahead, but in that final boss fight, I must have fought him like a dozen times and just could not figure it out. And then I had to look online. I'm like, give me some help, people. And someone was like, oh, you got to use the eyeball. I'm like, what is the eyeball? <laughs> <laughs> so, Wait, what is the eyeball? Yeah, on my on my it. second playthrough, I did not get the eyeball. Oh. Like I kind of went straight through because I'm like I've already played this. I I know exactly what I'm doing here, so I like I cut through this. Shay, you had the eyeball. I got the eyeball. So it, I, I like Mo. I had a hard time trying to beat the final boss. It's just that's me at baseline though. I always have a hard time at the very end for some reason. But I was looking through my book and then I saw that I had a you know a recipe for this other costume. Yeah. I'm like, okay, well there's I'm missing something. So I went and looked, and it was. It was kind of gross. Like, I don't know who would walk around as this costume, like, in real life. So I thought it was kind of strange that it was. But I'm like, okay, I'll give it a shot. And then when you go into battle mode and you have, like, that more realistic drawing of it, I don't know if anyone's watched Yu Hawk show, but it literally looks like this eyeball creature from that mm. um, anime, which is quite terrifying. And I thought it was, I mean, it was okay. I didn't think I actually needed to use it for the expansion pack, but I figured, you know what, these are all three of the new costumes for this expansion pack let's just use all three of them that's why i thought they were placed there for so what what special ability does the eyeball have <laughs> it's called um oh i can't remember it has to do with salt or something so since it's an eyeball you just get an onion appears in the air and it gets cut in half and then you spray salty tears onto nice. the <laughs> enemy <laughs> and i can't I love remember double find so much it's so good i can't remember if it stuns them or i can't really can't remember if it stuns it or not even though i just played it um but it's quite funny to watch so the one thing that kind of hindered me because i didn't play the original game was i didn't know you could swap characters yet i knew nothing about it until halfway through when you needed to switch to a costume to advance i think it was the pirate hook, pirate hook yes. just, but the whole time every single person i fought like originally was the default characters i'm like oh these are cool but i wonder if i'm gonna get any other ones because right. i'm coming in blind and then when i discovered there's a giant wheel of all the costumes i'm like oh my <laughs> gosh so i i eventually i think that every single fight afterwards i tried every single character to see like what their attacks was who was gonna fit and like in what trying to do some combos like some healing maybe two like like right. melee guys um did you guys ever talk about in like the last podcast about what your kind of go-to combo or yes. character set was yes. we did but i think we should revisit it here and okay say what your combos were okay uh i guess well, i think yeah I, I i need some time to think about it so i'll pass it over to mike so to kind one of other thing i want to ask is did you use stamps did you play yes. around with the stamp abilities okay yes. because one of the things that i found is you can't talk about the best optimal lineup without talking about mm-hmm. what stamp you pair them with mm-hmm. because it, it, it they feed into each other so well. 
So part of my gameplay in any game whatsoever, I have a habit of never spending any of the funds or currency <laughs> unless I've hit a complete wall and it's impossible to progress. So I didn't buy a single stamp until the final boss b- battle. Um, and then by then, I pretty much bought all the premium ones and I had to figure out a way to beat them because I needed that extra damage boost, the healing boost, things like that. Right. But So I had like, I think, 8,000 or whatever oh coins. Oh my God. Yeah, and then I just, I was like, every stamp, every stamp just... Just threw cash at that little shady guy with the trench coat. To- so you're the guy in the Legend of Zelda who breaks all the pots, but then like says, "Oh, I guess I have no more room for rupees." Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> and, then, and so I, I eventually used the stamps, but I didn't really want to use them because I thought maybe there's going to be a better one later on. That's always my thought process. Yeah. I'll buy something now, but I'm going to have to dust it eventually. So let's wait until the last moment when I really need it, and then get the best stuff. Um, so what I used is I went um, robot. And then I uh, flip between them, but usually I would do robot, um, knight, and then uh, pirate. Okay. So and and by the end I added yeti in there, but um, I, I really like that combo. And what were your stamp stacks? Um, so one of them I just kept the uh, stamp, the original stamp, which was double HP. Okay. Because I felt if you kept one character with double HP, like you'll never die because it has so much HP. And there which was, character did you put that on? Um, I think I put that one on Knight. Okay. And then uh, I had the um, double attack on Robot. And then uh, the last one I would I would experiment with the third slot and like I would try to use the the rose one that would add some extra damage. Yes. I, I couldn't find a third stamp that I really really adored okay. because there's also a stamp that's like hey if you get knocked down if you get killed you get one HP brought back. I couldn't find a third one that I loved. Right. Yeah. So I, I kept two and then flipped the third one the whole time. I think throughout the, almost the entire game my combo was um, originally I'd start off with the the, the pirate. Um, number two was going to be the star scream with the rocket <laughs> launcher thing. And then I'd have, uh, the statue of Liberty just for that final America <laughs> attack. <laughs> I don't even know if it was really as good as any other healing person, but I just, it was just so entertaining to see every time. So I kept them up. And then with the stamps I had on my first person, the pirate, I always stacked the highest damage one, like the insane amount of damage. I think it was like the wolf bones or something yeah but it was the best one i think it was like the most expensive damage healing one. it was like double damage double yeah because yeah. I, I figured by the time yeah, this is based off the final battle i figured by the time you get to him i'm gonna need some serious damage and i always want my first person to have that and then my second one i want to say i also had the extra supreme health or something to like always have extra health and i can't remember my third one was. i think it was a default whatever the best one mm-hmm. was like um, but the one of the reasons why I kept the pirate is it does damage to everyone. He just he just shoots the splash bar. damage, right? Yeah. So the splash damage, I was like, you know what? This is. I tried to combo it so many times. There's so many times where I launched his like special attack once, and I got everyone super low, so I could do like a one shot kill three people. So satisfying. If you guys haven't done it. <laughs> <laughs> so for me, I since I only played that half an hour window of costume quest, I wanted to be able to see what the full animation would be of every single costume. So I actually kind of alternated throughout the entire game because... So I didn't have a particular strategy because all the enemies are fairly similar. So I said, okay, I know I can beat all of them with that, you know, and I might as well just have some fun doing it. So I always alternated it. But by the end, I really enjoyed having... um, Starscream as well, the robot with the ninja and Statue of Liberty. I don't know, for some reason, I just really enjoyed those three together. And this... Even with the original game, when I played that half an hour, I got to the point of being introduced to the battle stamps, but I didn't really explore it. So I was just like, okay, this is another thing I need to like look into. So when I got into that part of this game, or for the expansion, I wasn't entirely sure what I was doing with it. So for most of the game, I actually just had the default the entire time. Same. And it wasn't until I got to the final boss where I kept 
losing and getting so frustrated, I said, okay, I need to fix my strategy. So I, the entire time, I don't want to get too far into my conversation with this, but I end up just switching by the end and actually like kind of reading them and buying them. Yeah. So it's, that's one of the things I was kind of, it wasn't frustrating, but it was more so like I wasn't expecting it. When you start the game, all your guys are level 10 and the first group of boss guys are level 14, which is a significant like power difference. So when I lost, I'm like, do I just suck? Like what's going on? But it's like a forced loss, I'm assuming. And you're especially thinking like the mechanics are really simple here. Like, yeah, like there's I no just way. have to hit A in the little active reload window that it says to hit A. How yeah. can I lose? I need yeah. to defend by pressing X when it says press X. Yeah. When I started like losing, losing, I'm like, I maybe I didn't like do something right. I'm missing a special move or something but then like once you get defeated you realize no no no, you're supposed to lose it's a difficult person but it got even crazier because by the time you get to the final i guess battle i think you get to level four i got to level 14 i'm gonna assume everyone's around the same and the final boss is level 20 i'm like what am i supposed to lose this one again so i was like when i first lost i'm like oh okay it's gonna progress to something and they're like no try again (laughs) (laughs) i'm like whoa wait like last time we lost like this you said go ahead Mm mm-hmm and I think it's fair to say that there's quite a ramp. Like, even the, the battle before the final boss, like, the difficulty level just spikes. Yeah. It's like, it's, it, there's a lot, I think it was th- those two moments were a big, big spike of, 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 like. What I've found is that throughout most of the expansion, I did not have to focus on what my party was made of. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I didn't have to focus on what their stamps were. I think a lot of that was because I was carrying stuff over from the full game and I had, stamps and party already lined up um but when i got to i think close to the end three quarters of the way through i was like oh right there's stamps here and i should start buying this because my bucket is getting full of candy and i just have way more than i need um and i realized like okay i need to start playing around with my lineup i want to try out some of these new costumes found out that the pirate does quite a bit of damage very good in battle but does not heal very well um, I found out that the Yeti is fantastic for invulnerability, um, but doesn't do that much damage, just a reasonable amount. And so I, I ended up stacking the um, a, a loadout that was very damage-focused up until I got to the final boss, uh, because I just wanted to blast through all of the different um, Repuglian enemies that I faced along the way. Um, but when I got to the final boss, I was like, okay dying 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 not not doing very well right and that's when i started stacking appropriately and my loadout at the end was all invulnerability and healing characters oh okay right so i used the yeti his special power is he puts up a shield for everyone in the party and overpowered yeah super overpowered minimizes damage if you attack anyone individually it does like six damage total if you attack the whole group and have splash damage like bones does um it does like a hundred maybe less damage um so he was fantastic to have um i used the um i used the unicorn uh because the unicorn special ability was to be able to heal any one character up to full health even if they were knocked out of battle. I kept hearing about this unicorn, unicorn character. And in the end, when I started looking up how to beat the final boss, I'm like, did I miss something? And that's when it kind of connected. Like, oh, I'm missing a bunch of characters from the original game because right. you can't unlock it later on. Yeah. I think uh, you and Shamo unlo- had all the characters unlocked that you needed to get through costume quests. Yes. Mm-hmm. So the French fry was uh, a necessary costume to have to so get through funny. the game. Which 
like just a little bit of flashback to playing Costume Quest proper. One of the best costumes, not from a like combat perspective, but just from a like a kid is wearing a French fry costume that turns on and has French fry smells that waft through the air. And that's when I discovered you can transform because in in Grubbins on Ice, the the mission is you have to lure this lady over to her like soulmate, and she's like, "No, I need like an extra ingredient." And I, I that's when I scoured the entire map. I'm like, "What am I looking for? What am I? I'm like, this has to be like." And then I was so upset when I had to look it up. I was like, "What do I do to?" progress here and they're like oh transform into the french fry i'm like transform what do you mean you can switch characters <laughs> and that's when i discovered that wheel and I, I was like oh my goodness i'm luring this lady using a child dressed as french fry <laughs> and she just seemed totally disinterested with her husband she just wanted the foods yeah yeah so yeah used the unicorn used the abominable uh, the, the yeti the abominable snowman and i honestly don't remember what i used as the third it might have been the ninja to use the Kitsune Shroud. Mm-hmm. Um, and my whole strategy, stacking the revive them if they have 1, H, one HP when they go out, um, it was to have double defense and it was to have counterattack. So anytime they're attacked, they counter. And my whole strategy was just keep keep everyone alive and chip away at them slowly. And it worked. It was so much better than trying to brute force and take them down as quick as possible with most damage. Yeah, mine was similar because I was very offensive, like you might, going through the entire game. And at the very end, I died like probably like five times against the final boss. I'm like, okay, obviously having really strong attacks is not working. I need to like literally just swap. So I switched to defensive completely. So I used all three of the new costumes, which was um, the pirate, the eyeball, and the yeti. And also when they're just walking around as their characters the yeti looks like the most comfortable onesie costume ever (laughs) and i really want one but and then i switched i actually looked at the stamps at that point so i switched all my stamps to be very uh defensive so increase hp for one person increase hp for all of them and then double i think your defense so it took a little bit longer to actually get the his health down but it actually ended up working at the end Mm mm-hmm yeah, I, I was very similar in that I did Robot Yeti Statue of Liberty because I wanted that big attack power that came with the robot with the splash damage that did fire damage as well. Mm. Um, get the Yeti who could protect your whole team from big bones and then the Statue of Liberty could heal your whole, whole team. I didn't really min-max my stamps because I'd figured out and it only took me two times to beat the... Wow, the wow. Again, Jacob, I've, getting I've, better at games. I've literally played this game for like <laughs> like 15 hours. So right. like it's not it's reflexes, not actual skills. I think the Yeti is almost required to beat that final boss because mm-hmm. of that splash damage. I, I don't know how about you guys, but so I, I, I fought that final boss at least like almost a dozen times initially because I was like, oh, I'm going to beat him with all this damage, all this damage. But you need that Yeti to stop that splash damage from chunking your guys. At one point, if you like, I think I eventually was able to survive like two shots from the big guy because I kept healing my crew with the Anthem. And then I think the third one, he did like almost a thousand damage damage. to everyone. So you're not surviving. Like it's meant to crush you. Yeah. So I'll I'll set the scene. So Araxia is the the main boss in this this, uh, DLC, also in the main game. And this boss is flying above everyone else. And so to start... Imagine a turn-based battle system. You can only go for Araxia to start. So you damage, 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 and then Araxia becomes invulnerable. And then once that character is invulnerable, you need to hit that character into the second character who's in the back, who is Big Bones. And Big Bones is like sitting in toxic sludge, just waiting for his opportunity to wreck you with a thousand damage. Yeah, essentially. So you're just kind of, you have to time it right to make sure you don't get that splash damage. And the only way to do it is using the Yeti special ability to protect your entire crew. So it goes from 
melting your guys with one shot to doing maybe like 5% damage. That's what I'm saying. You need the Yeti. I'd be, I would love to hear if anyone else played this game and defeated that final boss without the Yeti because I feel like, no, it's a requirement. You have to use a DLC character. Mm-hmm. I boneheaded my way through that final boss battle so many times and hit myself every time that Araxia would go up into the air and you just needed to attack him to push him back into Big Bones. You have to. And I would waste a special attack yeah. on that turn. Mm-hmm. And it was only in the final time that I got it right that I that I was like, okay, he's in the air now. Do not waste you know, a missile barrage or any of the other 100%. things on them. You, you can't waste those like special attacks. And you learn that later on. I feel like there's only one happy path that you have to do. And you just you pick the Yeti, maybe a healing person, but then like the other one doesn't matter. But you need those two and you need to do the timing correctly. Yeah, I found that any strategy had to come out at the end because I didn't have really any strategy just going in because I found all yep. the enemies to be fairly easy yes, to, 100%. to go against. But by the end, I think I took maybe four or five times to beat the final boss. But when he was in the air, I was just like, okay, let's heal up kind of thing. But no, then no. I would get blasted by this bones guy. So by then I had to, there was a bunch of different elements that I took into consideration. And I said, okay, at this point, I need to hit him. He needs to get knocked down. And then, I don't know if you any, if you all realize at the end, though, too, you couldn't wipe him out by just a final attack because he would always be left with that one health. And I'm like, why is he not, you know, whatever. So then you had to, like, push him back into him at the end, and then that's when it ended. So it was an interesting... I thought it was almost anticlimactic. I thought there was going to be a second part of the final battle with Bones, like, coming up or something, but it didn't happen. So I was just like, oh, It's because okay. you never faced Bones the first time. Oh, this wow. is the second time we face Bones. Sorry. <laughs> yeah, but I, I think she hit it right on the money. Like, I felt like it was anticlimactic. There wasn't really... It was a great final boss battle, but, like, the game kind of was just like, all right, it's over. We didn't get to really fight Bones himself. But then again, I come to think about it, it was a DLC. It's not a full-fledged game. It's kind of mm-hmm. like a patch on to the original game well and for me the climax was after you get the nice resolution and everyone is back and they hug and observation you risked your life to save me all all of the little fun little dialogue that you have and they're pushing themselves through the portal to get back home it ends with them looking at all of these other portals that are there and it sets it up perfectly for costume quest Mm two, which I was like, ah, this is so great. I love the idea of there just being so many more different portals and worlds for them to go into and and play because I love playing costume quest. It's such a great experience for me. I'm I'm guessing this is a good time to toss this in. Did you guys see the Easter egg with the second game or whatever in the cave? Stacking? Yes. The mystery cave. What's what's the whole spiel on that? Because I kind of saw it. It's like, oh, play this next game. I'm like, okay, I get it. Shameless plug. What's going on? So how much do you know about like Double Fine as a studio? Um... What do you like the average person, but less? Okay, so like <laughs> Double Fine, right after Psychonauts had this uh, around the time of Psychonauts Brutal Legend had this like great roll steamroll going, and then they were making Brutal Legend two, and as they were making Brutal Legend two, their publisher and their funding for the game just fell through. Gotcha. So they needed to make games and make games quick. Prior to that, they had done this thing called Amnesia Fortnite, and Amnesia Fortnite was a game jam that they did as a whole studio, took two weeks off, not working on Brutal Legend 2, to develop prototypes. And the prototypes that were, some of the prototypes that came out of it were Stacking, um, which is that game, Costume Quest, 
um, I believe, as well as Iron Brigade. Like, those are some of the games that came out of that mm. process. And just think about those are the games that right after Brutal Legend were huge hits for them. Gotcha. So something that they still do, they still develop prototypes through this process. They actually have, like, the ability you can buy a pass to watch them, <laughs> like, stream Amnesia Fortnite. Uh, there's... And then you get all the demos that come out at the end. Mm-hmm. All the early prototypes. And a lot of their games that have come out since have come from uh, this Amnesia Fortnite. So they did a Sesame Street game on Connect that wow. came from that. Uh, they did uh, Headlander, which I believe came out of that process. It's a space-based game. Defense-based uh, or something along those lines. Oh, you're right. Um, oh, Anyways, shoot. the name is not important, but yes. there are a lot of games that come out of it. Stacking is a game... Uh, where you play as Matroska dolls, the stacking dolls, you know, those Russian stacking dolls. Yeah. And uh, you go and you essentially eat other dolls to take on their appearance uh, and then to get through different checkpoints as okay. sort of like a hitman disguise. Cool. Um, and it's a fun little game. And, I, you know, when I went into that cave and I saw the little mysterious man talking about stacking and giving me the promo for it, one, I thought that was... An incredibly clever way to market your game. But two, it made me realize, wow, this game came out a long time ago. Uh, Holy cow. Yeah. So the game that you were talking about was, um, shoot, I had it. it Space... Space Base DF9, which also came out of, and there are tons of other games. You can look it up on Wikipedia. Almost all of their big games after that came from Amnesia Fortnite. Wicked. Yeah. So this game is really funny. It's so funny. Like, the... I the thing that I hate about this game is how many good quips there are throughout <laughs> that I just don't remember specifically yeah. when I talk to people about how funny it is. And Shay, you had mentioned it earlier that like you don't need this to be voice acted because you read it and it jumps off the page. Mm-hmm. You can hear the the writing and because it's so true to to someone's dialogue. And I think part of it is also that I'm very familiar with Tim Schafer and, and how he talks and, and a lot of the personalities at Double Fine. Um, so you can hear the humor and the ways that they interact with it. So it, it was so funny. And there are all kinds of really great lines that happen throughout. And I'm coming from like a, the person who hasn't played any of their games. I'm and don't in, read. And don't read, exactly. <laughs> but so like I, like I said, I've kind of, uh, throughout the game, I did pick up a lot of the stuff. And the one thing I do come out of it is I agree with you. It, that The writing was great. I can't remember anything in specific. But all the small dialogue between characters I thought was pretty funny. Some of the things I do remember, I can't remember exactly. I came out saying, oh, it's, it's pretty pretty clever. Whereas I, you wouldn't usually come out with that with any other game with the same type of writing. Is there anything that stands out to you with the writing? I wrote a few of my favorites down. Okay. Do you mind if I go through yes, them? Yes, go through. So I'm a big fan of the dad joke. So uh, one of the <laughs> Repuglians opens the door and says, what's brown and sticky? A and stick. Like, Ew. <laughs> He's like, it's a stick. Come on. <laughs> that was very good. And even some of the stuff that like when they opened the door and one of them was like, I'm not going to let you jeopardize my pension. And <laughs> yeah. then there was also, you look like you could use some oppression. Uh, just some really good like one-liners that yeah. were just there's, well done. There's one where they say, oh, I have flat feet, so but uh, I'll remove my guilt by contributing to the cause. <laughs> <laughs> I thought it was so funny and on the nose. Yeah, no, my favorite one, I mentioned it earlier, was your, I think it's a random citizen walking in the street where he's like, I wish I could do more, but I don't have a beard. <laughs> and it's like, what does that even mean? But okay, I'll, I'll take it. Yeah, there's so many good one-liners. And even when I was playing, when I got really excited to see that Double Finds did it, and I played that first half an hour of just costume quests, and I was just running around town, like hitting people with my little Halloween pail. The one little girl who's dressed as a princess, she, in all caps, she's just like, mother. And it was, I just thought it was so funny. It was just so clever. And 
having again just being obsessed with psychonauts and just knowing how the kids in that game talk and interact with each other i just brought that imagination to costume quest and i just thought it was it was so clever my i I think the favorite exchange and the one that i remember the most is did any of you go and do bobbing for apples yes eyeballs okay so (laughs) the bobbing for eyeballs you walk up to the monster and the monster's like do you want to bob for eyeballs and your character's response is Yuck, that's disgusting. And he's like, no, they're not real eyeballs. We're not monsters. I mean, like, we are monsters, but we're not (laughs) that kind of monster. That guy was really funny. And it was just such a great little exchange that's like, yes, they are monsters, but they're not that kind of monster. On a side note, the green eyeballs look like olives. Like, really big olives. I'm not even kidding. The green ones? There was green eyeballs. Yeah, the double points. So, yeah, I, (coughs) I thought the green eyeballs were apples. And when I saw the eyeballs in there, I was like, ah, those are eyeballs. I'm not bobbing for those. Even though I had just read the exchange earlier (laughs) that it was okay to bob for them. Uh, So I only went for the green ones and I maxed out my score very quickly. Yeah. How would you guys feel if I said that in 2019 there was a costume quest cartoon coming? That would be amazing. It makes sense. It's very, I feel like they would hit, like, knock it out of the park, especially if it's the same writing team and it's the same visuals. It's a very cartoonable game, I feel. Yeah, it's been in development for a long time, but um, Frederator is putting it out. I don't know Frederator. Frederator, I think, started as like a like an online cartoon okay. website, and they're putting it out. I don't know what station it's going to air on, but it, they've been working on it for a while. That's so amazing. I'm I'm very excited. I think there might even be a trailer that just came out a few months ago really? on it. So uh, if you're interested in cartoon in cartoon quest in costume <laughs> quest cartoon, there is one coming. I have to go hunt down that trailer, mm-hmm. or at least find out when I'll, I'll be able to watch that because mm-hmm. I love the character in this game each of the characters have their own little quirk that makes them unique and even if it falls into this you know extreme stereotyping sometimes it is so good and you have a quick um quick way to differentiate characters who frankly all look very similar oh one thing i forgot my like favorite interaction in the game was sneaking behind some of the bad guys hitting them with that pail <laughs> and getting that early splash damage to start the game i'm like yes. i defeated the system I, I'm able, <laughs> I have one up on all of them did you guys i'm assuming always do that too when you figure that out i forgot about it at the beginning of the game but as i got to the end i was like oh yeah i can just stumble b- behind these guys and, and do that um Absolutely. It was something that I found gave me a strategic advantage going into those later battles. Yeah, I figured that out really early too, but then I, for some reason, got lazy and just decided to walk up to them. But then I realized later that there is, for anybody who likes getting their gamer score up, there was an achievement on Xbox Live. If you hit, I think, 10 or 15 of them from behind, you get an an achievement, and I just missed that completely. So I'm kind of bummed about that, but... It's a good reason to go back. Yeah. Did you know a PC version of this game almost didn't come out? Really? Yeah. So the PC version of this game came out because of a Twitter interaction. Oh. oh. Someone, yeah. Someone snarled at them and they said, okay, we'll do it. No. So Steven Dangler, <laughs> who's like, uh, he's the creator of XE.com, like the currency translation yeah. service. Canadian guy who uh, funds a lot of video games. So uh, they were essentially talking about how much, oh, you know, it costs a lot of money to do PC ports. And he, through Twitter, he was just, to Tim Schafer, was like, hey, how much would this actually cost? And they had a conversation. And I guess uh, in an interview, they said 18 days after that interaction, a deal was signed. And Dracogen, who, which is his like strategic investment arm of his business, mm-hmm. was the publisher of this game on PC. Amazing. So it happened through a Twitter that. interaction. So for once, Twitter was good. Right. It wasn't just a cesspool of hate. Hey. 
Uh, does anyone else have any uh, details or fun facts they'd like to share about Costume Quest Grubbins on Ice? No. Is this a Christmas game? I don't think it is. You know, I thought it was going to be more Christmassy, but it's just because there's a lot of like ice and snow in the world. I thought the Yeti little scene was kind of, you know, funny and cute. Um, honestly, though, the one thing that I forgot to mention earlier that I absolutely loved was the puzzle to get the book for the trolls. Um, it -hmm. was so cool to be, be able to use all of the different costumes to be able to find your way through and the different ways that they wink and nod at you. Like we're back at the beginning again. Uh, this can't be right. We're back at the beginning. How do we keep end up getting back to the beginning? We need to do something differently. This is the cave of confusion, exactly. right? Exactly. Yeah, I've played that type of like scenario in other games before, and I loved it too. It's just the fact that you have to remember where you went. To fall. It was a very easy version of other types mm-hmm. that I've played, mm-hmm. but it was a nice addition to the regular gameplay, the repetitive things of what's going on in the game. Yeah, I like that they actually gave you some insight if you did do something right away, because sometimes I'll just forget. And I've played games before, too, where they don't tell you what you're doing. And then it can take you forever just to get out of the damn thing. Mm -hmm. So that was really good. And then I just overall enjoyed the music, the the artwork. The music is so good. And even the the saving, even though I hadn't played Psychonauts in so long, I still remember everything about it. And even like the saving text is the same, the same in the game. And I just thought it was so cool. It's just like they're like little signature stuff that they put in. I, I just loved it. Yeah. A plus for me. A plus, but maybe we're we're still seeking the ultimate Christmas game. Yes, I don't absolutely. think I don't think there is one. It's not like hey, people go to Die Hard or Home Alone or National Lampoon's Christmas Vacation. There is not a video game that is a Christmas video game. You're the, right. The only Christmas aspect I think on this expansion is when you get to the top of the mountain when you start getting the snow, you can hear. I swear, you can hear jingle bells, like the <laughs> instrument in the song, because you don't. They end up having music when you get up get up there. So like that's the only Christmassy part of it, I would say. No, I think that's just like the trauma from hearing Mariah Carey sing all the time. You start hearing Christmas everywhere. <laughs> <laughs> so that is Costume Quest, Grubbins on Ice. Uh, again, if you want to find out more about Costume Quest, we have another episode you can download. Uh, you can find that on your favorite podcast app. Mike, apart from this podcast thing, we have something else where people can come together and talk about what happened on the podcast, but I'm forgetting. I have no idea what it is. Yeah, so when I'm done playing through Costume Quest proper again, I will be hanging out in the Discord server with all the fine folks here and a whole bunch more. Um, You can find that Discord server by going to leftbehindgame.club or leftbehindgameclub.com. And in the center of the homepage, there will be a big fat button that says, join our Discord. And it'll teleport you right inside to a fantastic community who's always sharing new hot game deals and talking about some fun new videos that have dropped online, the games that we're playing, and uh, and what, what happened in the podcast. One special shout out for one of our most active members of our Discord server, Hackam Hackam. He's always throwing around a deal or two, letting us know what's going on in the gaming industry. Shout out Hackam. We love your interactions up on that Discord server. He drops some really hot deals lately. Always, man. He's always on the. He's always knows what's going on. So that's the show, uh, Mo. If uh, anyone wants to find you on the World Wide Web, where can they do so? Uh, you can find me on most social media platforms at Emirati or Emirati.com. Michael, you can find me at RufaloM on most social places online or MichaelRufalo.com. Shay, thanks again for coming on. If folks want to find you on the internet, where can they do so? You can find me in the Discord chat, or you can find me on most social platforms at. Shaylen Ty. And you can find me on the internet at Jacob McCourt or at jacobmccourt.com. And that's one less game left behind. Mm-hmm.